Church, would you bow your heads and make your prayer with me this morning? Father, on this Christmas Eve morning, we pray that the Christ of Christmas would be born in us today. Fill our hearts, I pray, with the hope peace and joy and love of Jesus fill our hearts with Christ himself. Lord, may the face of Jesus be clearly seen by our hearts, I, through faith today. And so we look to you, Father, to be our teacher. We look to you to lay aside the hustle and bustle, the busyness of this season, that we would be quiet and silent and still in your presence that we would know you like never before, that we would glorify you in this day. So we give this time of teaching to you and ask that you would be glorified in it. And we ask it all in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, amen, amen. I say this every year and it's true every single year. I, I pray I say it every week. There is no one like Jesus. No, no one has ever lived the life that Jesus can live, a perfect life, a life of perfect love, a life of perfect obedience to God the Father, a, a life of unimaginable power displayed in his miracles on this earth, a life of unimaginable humility displayed through his service and sacrifice on this earth. No one has ever lived the kind of life that Jesus alone can live, and no one has ever died the death that only Jesus could die. He was a sacrifice for the sin of all mankind. He was a substitute for every man, woman, and child who would place their faith and trust in him. He was the only innocent person to ever live who bore our sin, bore our shame, bore our pain, bore our punishment upon the cross. And his death was especially like no other death because when Jesus died, get this church, He didn't stay dead. He rose again three days later, and he is alive and well today. And and, and here's some good news for Christmas. He's coming again. And that could be this very day. I think it's safe to say every Christmas and every Easter and every day in between that there is no one like Jesus. No one lived the life that Jesus lived. No one died the death that Jesus died. No one reigns in resurrection power like Jesus. And so it shouldn't come as any surprise that every year at Christmas we're reminded that his life was like no other, his death was like no other, his resurrection power is like no other, and his birth was like no other. Born of a virgin, the angels appeared to shepherds. The sky was filled with the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God and the highest and peace on earth. Goodwill to men. As wise men tried to find Jesus at his birth to worship him, King Herod tried to find Jesus at his birth to kill him. Guys, there has never been a birth like Jesus. And one of the most amazing things to accompany the birth of Jesus was a birth announcement for Christ that was, get this, printed 700 years before he was born. That's pretty impressive, right? Like most birth announcements, the birth announcement of Christ was 
filled with vital details about the baby that was born. But since Jesus was like no other person to be born, the details of Jesus' birth include more than just his weight or the exact time of his arrival. They tell us who he is. They tell us what he will do. And on this Christmas Eve, what I want to do is look back at the divine birth announcement for Jesus and just consider what we learn about this child who is like no other. The one who would live the life that no one else could live. The one who would die the death that no one else could die. The one who reigns today like no one else could possibly reign. Let's look back to that silent night 2,000 years ago and hear the words of the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 tells us this. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. In the moments we have together, I want to just walk through that verse and look at each and every word. It shouldn't take us more than an hour or so, so buckle in, kids. It's going to be good. Uh, The first word in that verse is the word for. That word for is a really important word. It's kind of like the word because. It's explaining the reason for something or the cause for something, the, the ground upon which something else rests, some other truth. It's, it's kind of like how we would say, we know the kids loved their Christmas presents we gave them yesterday because or for. They told us a thousand times that they loved them. In addition, they're the ones who asked for them. So we know. Because of that statement, that second phrase, we know the first to be true. They loved their Christmas presents. The second phrase, the for phrase, gives us cause or ground for saying the truth of the first phrase. That's what the prophet Isaiah is doing here, for. So the question becomes, what is it that the announcement of Christ's birth causes? Well, what's that for there for? Well, when you read the first part of the prophecy of Isaiah, and we won't go back, what you'll find is that Isaiah has actually been telling some pretty bad news. He's telling the people about a curse that has come into the world as a consequence of sin. You see, the people of God rebelled against God. And as a result, God was going to allow a wicked king from a nation called Assyria to overthrow their nation and take them into captivity. And what Isaiah tells us is that despair and darkness would cover the world like a dark veil. Evil men would seem to rule the day. Pain and suffering would become commonplace. He tells us that life would be hard and joy would be scarce. It's actually a picture of the state of this world ever since the fall of man in the Garden of Eden. But Isaiah tells us God had a plan. And his plan was to liberate his people. His plan was to pierce that veil of darkness with the light of his glory. That's what verses 2 and 3 of Isaiah 9 actually says. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. 
Those who dwelled in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You've multiplied the nation. You've increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the time of harvest, and they are glad as when they divide the spoil. Isaiah tells us that God's plan is to reverse the curse of sin, to bring joy and freedom and victory to his people. And the question becomes, how will he do that? How will he overthrow the darkness and give liberty and freedom and victory and joy to his people? How will he do it? Well, the next verse tells us. Isaiah 9, 4 says, For, there's that word again, the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken. As on the day of Midian. That's a reference to when God worked a miraculous victory over the enemy of his people through Gideon. He overthrew the people of Midianite by the great power of his hand. And he says, like it was on that day, it will be even more on the day I'm talking about. God will bring joy to his people. Why? Four, verse four, four, He will remove the burden and oppression that has come as a result of sin. And the question becomes, well, how will he do that? How will he remove the oppression and the burden of sin? Verse 5 explains, For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. In other words, God will bring joy to his people by removing the burden and oppression of sin by defeating our enemy and destroying everything that once threatened to destroy us. He would defeat sin and death and Satan himself. And he would even use the things that once had threatened us as fuel to light the flame that would bring the light and warmth of his glory into all of our lives and one day cover the entire word. And all of that is represented in our little word for at the beginning of the birth announcement of Christ. How would God do those things? How would he bring joy to joyless souls and light and glory to dark and despair in this world? How would he overthrow the rule of the enemy and restore our lives and remove the curse of sin? How would he do them? He would do them by the birth of Jesus. Jesus came to reverse the curse of sin, to restore life and freedom to all who would trust in him. That's why Jesus was born. Only Jesus could do those things because there's no one else like Jesus. That's what the rest of the birth announcement tells us. To us, a child is born. That's a reference to his humanity. Jesus became a man and he lived among us as one of us. What that means is that he can identify with us. He knows what it's like to be human. And he can also represent us before God the Father. He can stand before God on behalf of all mankind because he's one of us. To us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. That's a reference to his deity. Jesus is a son. Whose son is Jesus? You didn't know you'd get a quiz today, did you? He's the son of God. He's God in the flesh. 
He's not just a teacher or a prophet. He's not just an example of goodness. He's not just a model of greatness. He is something that Muhammad and Buddha and Confucius and Gandhi could never claim to be. Jesus Christ is God. God in the flesh. The baby born in that manger is the creator of the world. The son of God. Almighty God. To us, a child is born. He's man. To us, God's son is given. He's God. And go on. The government shall be upon his shoulder. On an election year that's upcoming, I could wax eloquent about this part of the birth announcement. But Jesus came to establish God's kingdom on the earth. That kingdom, the Bible tells us, already exists in every heart that bows before Jesus as king. Their one true king is Jesus. And so the kingdom of God has come to every heart that embraces Jesus as king. The Bible also tells us that one day Jesus will come again and his kingdom will reign unopposed throughout the earth. Every oppressive influence in this world that now plagues mankind will be broken and destroyed forever. He's going to take the circus show in Washington and straighten the whole mess out. Good news for Christmas. Jesus is coming again. And even more than just that, he will do away with every broken part of every broken place. He will do away with sin and sorrow and sickness and despair. He will do away with death itself. He will make all things new, including you in his glorious kingdom. And it will all rest on his shoulder. He will do it. He will do it. Jesus, almighty son of God, will do it. And his name will be Wonderful Counselor. Have you ever ever been in a place where you didn't just quite know what to do? Have you ever searched for answers to your deepest questions or solutions to your hardest problems? Well, then listen to Jesus. Because Jesus is a wonderful counselor. It means he knows everything. Even more, it means he came to counsel us in wonderful ways. He came to reveal the plan of God for this world and our life and to direct each of us in the way we should go. He's wonderful counselor, but even more, he's mighty God. Because Jesus doesn't just give us the plan of God for our lives, he fulfills it by his power. I was reminded of this uh, a couple months ago. I used to play soccer in high school. I know I look like an athlete, and so you probably wondered. That's why. I played high school in soccer, or soccer in high school, and now my kids are all three in high school, and they're all playing soccer as well. So a little while back, I decided to take my kids out to the soccer field and help them work on their soccer skills. And I walked them through, as I want to do, a long explanation of how to play the game of soccer. I gave them some advice on how to kick a soccer ball. I told them how to approach the ball, how to plant their non-kicking foot beside the ball, how to position their body, where on the, the ball that their kicking foot should hit to get it to go a certain trajectory, all with the wise and clear clarity with which I'm speaking to you this morning. 
So I preached to my kids on the soccer field and my advice sounded really good. But my kids didn't just want me to tell them how to kick a soccer ball. They wanted me to show them. And that's when it got fun, kids. So I put the ball on the grass just right so it'd be a little tuft there right as I wanted it. And I approached the ball like I'd explained. I planted my non-kicking foot the way that I should. I positioned my body over the ball. I swung my kicking foot back and threw the ball. And it didn't go anywhere close to where I wanted that ball to go. And my kids learned a valuable lesson about their dad, the soccer player. I was all plan and no power. <laughs> I couldn't actually do what I said they should do. And can I give you a little bit of good news this Christmas? Jesus isn't like me. Amen. He isn't all... <laughs> <laughs> Pastor Appreciation Month is October, Sarah. Thank you. I'll be heading to Ohio tomorrow. Play I come back. Let's just rewind that. We'll cut that out on the video as it plays through the week. Hey, church, I've got some really good news for you. You want to hear it? Jesus is nothing like me. Good job. He isn't all plan, but no power. You know why? Because he's the mighty God who made heaven and earth. He has all authority and all power belongs to him. And he didn't just come to tell us how to live or let us in on God's secret plan. You know why Jesus came? He came to fulfill God's plan for us. He came to live out God's plan in us by the power of his spirit in us as we trust in him. Jesus gives us the plan of God for humanity as our wonderful counselor. And then by his grace, he fulfills God's plan by his infinite power as the mighty God. He is wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father. Don't overcomplicate this. A fa father is, is the start of a family. And that's what Jesus is for us. John 1 says that all who receive Jesus have the right to become the sons of God as they believe on his name. In that way, Jesus is, is our father. He cares for us. He protects us. He provides for us. And he doesn't just do it while we're good. He's the everlasting father. He does it forever. He holds eternity in his hand and he gives eternal life to everyone who trusts in him. His name is Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. And the birth announcement ends by saying, and he is the Prince of Peace. Every year we are reminded by the headlines that accompany the days leading up to Christmas that we live in a world at war. At every level, men need peace, peace in their hearts, peace in their minds, peace in their relationships with one another, peace in their homes and their nations and their communities. Ultimately, we need peace with God. And here's the good news of Christmas. Jesus came to bring us peace. He came to reign over a kingdom filled with peace, to be king over a people filled with peace because he came to give us peace, peace with God, peace within, peace with one another. So friend, this Christmas, if you want peace for Christmas, peace with God, peace with men, then you need Jesus. He's the Prince of Peace.
And if you want everlasting life for Christmas, then you need Jesus, the everlasting Father who gives life to those who trust in him. If you want power and victory over sin and death and every form of oppression this Christmas, then you need Jesus, the mighty God. And if you want truth and wisdom this Christmas, then you need Jesus, the wonderful counselor. And here's the greatest news you have for Christmas. We don't just need Jesus. We have him. For God so loved the world that he gave us his son, his only son, the son that he loved, and his name is Jesus. Christmas is the moment in time when we are reminded that Jesus came to us, which means not only do we need Jesus, we have him. And so the only question is whether or not we've come to place our faith and trust in Jesus. Have you received through faith Jesus, the son that was given to us, Jesus, who is your peace, Jesus, who is your life, Jesus, who is your strength and power, Jesus, who is your wisdom and truth? Have you ever placed your faith and trust in Jesus? Our prayer is that no one would leave this place this morning without receiving for Christmas the greatest gift that's ever given, the gift of life, the gift of power. The gift of Jesus, God's own son. Trust in Christ. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. Behold our King, Jesus. Would you join me in prayer by bowing your heads and entering into God's presence? Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he has come to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And Lord, I pray that our hearts would trust in Jesus receiving the gift of life that only comes through him. And so, Lord, I pray that as we sit in quiet stillness, even in the darkness of this room, that by the power of your spirit, you would shine the light of truth about Jesus in us. And as we go, would you reveal the light of the truth of Jesus to others? Jesus would be seen and known and believed and glorified this Christmas. We ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.